You're listening to one right now, but how did this episode get from the web to your podcast player? Today, we're going to go through the software and the history of podcasts. Welcome to Copec Explained Software the podcast where we make computing intelligible. Our question this week is how do podcasts work? Podcasts. We love them. We listen to them so much. There's so many different players. It seems like everybody is making a podcast and there are actually not that many different components to how a podcast works. There's really just two different kinds of files and three different kinds of software components. Well, before we get into the technical stuff, let's talk about when podcasts first came on the scene. So podcasts came about in the early 00s when the iPod was really taking off. That's why it's called a podcast, right? It was about the iPod being the most popular digital music player in the world. For example, in the year 2004, when the first real podcasts were coming out, the iPod had 82% market share in the United States. So maybe if the Microsoft Zune, which was a competitor to the iPod, had been more popular at the time, we'd call them Zunecasts. <laughs> it wouldn't have as good a ring to it. But that's really the reason we call them podcasts is because people had iPods. iPods were dominant in digital music and people were taking their music with them. And then some people had the bright idea, well, wait, hold on a second. Any kind of audio content that can be stored in an MP3 file can be played on an iPod. So why don't we start storing radio programs? And then other people had the bright idea, well, hold on a second. Why does it have to be something that was first made for radio? I can just make my own audio files and distribute them freely myself, and I can bypass that whole infrastructure and get them directly to people who want to listen to them. And then some companies developed that started building infrastructure for this. And a format came out that had already been out for blogs and for news sites called RSS, and it got adapted for distributing audio files, not just the blog posts or news articles that were coming out on these websites. So RSS, which stands for Really Simple Syndication, is a format for telling you about new items that get published. And those new items that, like I said, could be published as articles on a website, but they also could be new audio files that are available. And we'll talk in a minute about RSS and MP3, how they work together. But some companies came around this new format and this new idea of distributing audio files for digital music players, and they started developing the first podcast directories. And this is all happening around 2003, 2004. One of those companies was called Odeo, and they actually ended up pivoting into Twitter. So Twitter kind of got its start, you can almost think, as one of these early podcast companies. But the company that really, of course, was dominating the space was Apple because they made the digital music players that everyone was using, the iPod that podcasts were named after. And they said, well, why don't we just make our own podcast directory? And so that's exactly what they did in 2005. They started including a podcast directory as part of iTunes. Everyone had iTunes because everyone had an iPod. And so if you had iTunes, you now automatically had a podcast directory that you could easily start syncing your downloads with with your iPod. And so Apple quickly became the dominant player in the space, and some of the early other podcast companies actually went out of business or pivoted into something else like what happened with Twitter. 
So Apple came to dominate this space, and we'll talk later on about how that's kind of evolved over time. But Apple continues to kind of be one of the main companies involved in the realm of podcasting. Let's dive into the file types that that exist for a podcast. And you've talked about one of them, an RSS feed. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So an RSS feed is a type of XML file. And if you don't know what XML is, we actually talked about it on our podcast last week. What is XML? And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But assuming you know a little bit about what XML is, an RSS feed is basically an XML file that has specific tags about new articles or content that are available on a website, a blog, or a podcast. And so it's just a text file with a bunch of metadata describing all of the episodes that are available in a podcast. And so this text file gets downloaded by a podcast player, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, And it looks through to see what episodes are available in this podcast. And it also has a link in each of the episodes to an MP3 file. And the MP3 file is what actually contains the audio content of one particular episode of the podcast. And we talked about MP3 files in a previous episode called Napster. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So the two file types that are involved in a podcast are the RSS feed and the MP3. Right, that's correct. And so they work together. The RSS feed links to all the MP3 files. So then we have the software components of podcasts, and there are three different components, correct? Yeah, so there's a web server, and so podcasts are really just hosted on web servers. Web servers contain the RSS files, and they also contain the MP3 files, and they're hosting them and distributing them to the podcast clients that are downloading them. And this is all done over HTTP and HTTPS, those old web protocols that, again, I hate to point people to another previous episode, but we had a previous episode called How Does the Web Work, where we explained a little bit about what web servers are and what HTTP is. But basically... RSS files and MP3 files are served to you in the same way that HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files are served to you when you use your web browser over HTTP from a web server. So if you're going to go create a new podcast, you're going to probably sign up with a podcast host. And what this host is really doing is they're holding on to your RSS file and your MP3 files for your podcast on a web server and then making that accessible to the whole wide world who anyone who has a web browser or a podcast client can then download those files. Then the next software component is a podcast directory. And this is really a little more amalgamous because it's probably multiple components run by some company where they're indexing all of the different RSS feeds available out there, basically keeping track in a big database of all of the different podcasts and what RSS feeds are associated with each podcast and making that database searchable by ultimately podcast clients. And that's our last software component. A podcast client is going to be the program that you actually play your podcasts in. And what a podcast client typically does is it connects to a podcast directory so that you can search for various interesting podcast feeds Then it bookmarks those feeds when you say, hey, I want to subscribe to this podcast, and it periodically then pings the RSS file associated with that podcast, 
And it then looks, oh, hey, what are all the episodes that are available? And when there's new episodes, it tells you. And then every few hours, depending on your settings, it pings it again and sees, are there any more new episodes available? When you actually play a podcast, it goes and it downloads the associated MP3 file that's linked to from that RSS feed for each episode. So what a podcast player is doing is it's knowing how to connect to a podcast directory, ping an RSS file, download MP3 files, and play those MP3 files. It doesn't sound too complicated. It's really not. Um, And it's really very open because everything is just hosted on web servers. More than one podcast directory can be searching the same RSS feeds. And so, of course, one podcast can be available in many, many different directories, but all a podcast player is really doing when it wants to play an episode is go and download an MP3 file from some web server and then play it. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the podcast ecosystem. I listen to my podcasts on Apple Podcasts, but you, there are a few of those that are available. Yeah, there are many podcast directories. The most popular are definitely Apple Podcasts and Spotify, probably. But Google has their own directory. Amazon now has their own podcast directory. And there's a bunch of smaller directories, too. People might be familiar with Overcast. People might be familiar with um, Pocket Casts. Some of these companies have their own directory, and some of them kind of piggyback off of other directories. And the most common directory that gets piggybacked off of is Apple's, probably just because Apple's is the oldest, and Apple also actually makes theirs open enough that you can piggyback off of theirs. I know, for example, that Overcast, they actually say in their terms of use that they build up some of their directory out of Apple's directory. And so they might then modify it, you know, include and disclude certain things that weren't originally in Apple's directory, but the basis of their directory is originally coming from Apple's directory. So there are multiple directories though, and so it is possible for one podcast to be included in one and not included in another. Now, what's changing in the world of podcasts over the last few years is that while this always used to be a very open world where every individual podcast directory would just be linking up to RSS feeds, Now, some podcast directories are having podcasts that are actually internal to them that aren't just and are not just publishing those podcasts as open feeds that any other client could connect to and download. So we see, for example, what happened with Joe Rogan. He had one of the most popular podcasts in the world, and he decided, I think it was rumored that it was a $100 million deal, to go exclusively to Spotify meaning that he no longer publishes an open RSS feed that anyone can include in their podcast directory or any podcast player can connect to, but instead has some kind of internal feed just at Spotify that other podcast players can't access and other podcast directories can't include. And so as a result, you now need to use Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. And Joe Rogan has a lot of listeners, so this obviously has had a big impact on the podcasting world. Now, a lot of people have been critical of this turn of events, and it's not just Joe Rogan. There's now multiple podcasts that are exclusive to a single directory. Spotify is one of the pioneers in this, really getting a lot of big names to be exclusive just to them. But there's a lot of criticism of this because it always was an open ecosystem. Going all the way back to 2004, 2005, it's always been an open ecosystem. Even Apple's directory has always included just RSS feeds that other people submit to it rather than having internal feeds that are exclusive to it. 
So even though Apple has kind of been the dominant player in the space, a lot of people actually considered that they were a pretty good steward by keeping it an open ecosystem instead of making it a proprietary network and letting other podcast directories piggyback off of them. So there's been a lot of questions of whether Apple actually kind of neglected the space too much. And that's why it's allowed some of these other players to come in and start to become more and more dominant. Anecdotally, being an amateur podcast creator myself, I can just say that I've seen more and more of our traffic move over to Spotify. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it definitely shows how the market is changing and developing. But even these podcasts that are exclusive to a specific directory are going to still be the same components. There's still going to be an RSS feed, an MP3 file. Um, that's that's what a podcast is. Not necessarily. We don't know what happens internally at Spotify, how their software works internally. So are they using RSS feeds for their internal podcasts? I would find that likely. Like why reinvent the wheel when they already have that in place for handling external podcasts? But we don't actually have insight into how internals exclusive to a network podcast work from a software perspective. Mm -hmm. So if you want to actually go explore the, what an RSS feed looks like for your podcast of choice. You can go to most podcast websites because most podcasts have their own like little website where they publish, you know, what new episodes are out. Ours, for example, is copec.live. And usually there's going to be a link to an RSS file. And if you click that link, you may have already configured a program that knows how to open RSS files or you might not. And if you want to explore it further, you can actually just download that file and then open it in a text editor. And if you open it in a text editor, you'll actually see how all the metadata of the podcast is entered. And one thing you might find surprising is you'll see within that metadata a bunch of things that say iTunes. And you might wonder, why does it say iTunes? I open this file using Overcast or I open this file using Google Podcasts. Well, because iTunes was such a major component of the podcasting world, the way that it modified and used RSS feeds to include metadata about the episode, such as what is the photo associated with this episode, uh, what is the genre of this podcast, that became a standard. And so iTunes metadata is going to end up just being the de facto standard for all podcasts today. And so you're going to see iTunes, even though iTunes doesn't even really exist anymore, right? iTunes has been replaced by Apple Podcasts and Apple Music on Apple's platforms. It's fun to look behind the scenes. Is there anything else our listeners should know about podcasts? So if you want to go and create your own podcast, what kind of software are you going to need? Well, there's a few things. First of all, you'll need some software for recording yourself. So right now we're recording this podcast in some open source software called Audacity. Sometimes we use some proprietary software called Audio Hijack. But basically anything that can record you, save it in an audio file, that gets you started. Next, you're going to need to clean up the audio a bit. For example, we do run a noise reduction filter every week. And what that does is that takes out some of the background noise when we're recording. So maybe there's a heater going in our house maybe there's an air conditioner going, that little hum will be removed from the background of the, of the feed. And hopefully you won't hear too much background noise when you listen to this episode. Next thing is we probably want to run some kind of filter to level out the voices. And we use one called the levelator. 
So if Rebecca happens to be further away from the microphone and I happen to be closer to it, we want our ultimate volumes of both voices to sound a little more even. And so we, we levelate, quote unquote, those, uh, those levels to make them more even. Then you're going to actually have to go and edit the audio file to take out some times when you paused. Maybe there was some time when you accidentally said something wrong or you said a, you stuttered a little bit or you coughed or something like that and you want to cut that all out so it sounds really clean. So then you're going to need to use an audio editor to do that. I happen to use one called Fission. It's proprietary software for the Mac, but you could also use this open source software Audacity that we're using today for recording for doing that. So there's free software solutions for doing a lot of this. Okay, then you have your cleaned up file. Maybe you've used that audio editor to also insert a little intro music, a little exit music, maybe some other couple of sound effects. Now you're gonna need a podcast host. So this is literally a company that's just providing a web server really uh, for the RSS feed and also for the MP3 files. But usually these hosts are going to actually go and configure the RSS feed nicely for you, track some analytics to tell you how many people are listening. They're going to go and help you submit your podcast to various different directories and offer other ancillary services that make having a podcast a little bit easier. We happen to use a host called Pinecast and we've been pretty happy with them. So once you then have it up on the host and you've submitted it to all the directories, then you go and you wait. Uh, not really, because you really want to be doing some marketing. So you're probably also going to use some social media sites and some other websites to get the word out about your new show. So there's actually a lot that goes into it. There's thinking about uh, who you want to have as guests. There's thinking about what topics you want to do each week. It's actually a bit of a grind. Now, we do this as a hobby, so it doesn't feel too much like work. But for some people who do this for a living, I mean, they put as much time into doing each of their episodes and they might have a professional editor. We actually have a professional editor on my other podcast, Business Books and Company. They might have a professional producer. They might have somebody who just handles the sound cleanup, but doesn't do the editing. So there, there can really be degrees of professionalism that go into this. And it can really become uh, something that takes tens of hours to produce a one hour show. So don't think that podcasting is necessarily easy. It's easy to get started, but to go and make something, let's say as high quality as a publication like Wired is going to do is next level. Well, I think that covers podcasts. Yeah, but even though making podcasts can be uh, time-consuming, the more the merrier. It's great how much content we all have available to us for free. And as long as it stays a fairly open ecosystem, we're all going to continue to enjoy that. Um, hopefully, my personal opinion is I think it's better for the health of the ecosystem if it does remain a little bit more open and we don't see everything be locked down behind different proprietary directories. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. We want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show, to hit that subscribe button or that follow button in Spotify. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>